My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. This week's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, and now, with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. Every month, Audible members get one credit good for any audiobook they choose, as well as a selection of Audible Originals from a changing selection that you can't get anywhere else. For me, Sundays are a time to decompress and enjoy things I normally don't have time for during the work week. Unfortunately, I'm usually too tired or just lazy to read, which is why Audible is perfect. For my first book, I got A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. It's narrated by John Slattery of Mad Men, so yeah, it's pretty relaxing. To get yours today, go to audible.com scaries or text scaries to 500-500 to get started. Again, that's audible.com scaries or text scaries to 500-500. Additionally, one of the biggest pillars of the Sunday Scary is that there's just not enough time. We're mentally and physically drained and time is slipping away. Here's how we can change that. Moshi creates extraordinary products for the more modern lifestyle. Whether you want a slim portable battery to make sure you have enough juice to Uber home after last call, or you just got a new iPhone and need a new case for the office, they've got everything you need to ease your Sunday scaries. Head over to Moshi.com and use the code PGP for 15% off site-wide until the end of October. And if you're too lazy to do all this, I get it. I've put all of this in the description of this very episode. On this week's episode, it's all about romantic comedies. I'm not really sure when this love affair really started, but I think I can pinpoint it to when I was about 11 years old watching You've Got Mail on VHS at my aunt and uncle's house. If my memory serves me correctly, it was your typical fall day. Warm food cooking in the oven, blankets strewn about on the couches and chairs in the living room, and the heat turned up just a little bit more than normal to offset the first chill of autumn that had just set in. Or, at least that's how I think my first feeling of You've Got Mail made me feel. Frankly, at that age, I didn't even know what love was. I think every weekend that I visited my family in Gross Point, Michigan, I had a new crush. But even without the knowledge of what it felt like to fall head over heels for someone, I'm not positive there was ever a point in my life where I wouldn't have been considered a hopeless romantic myself. And honestly, it probably all started with that moment when I first saw Kathleen Kelly typing back to Joe Fox on their IBM ThinkPads. In previous episodes, I explained why I think romantic comedies are the perfect hangover films, especially those from the 90s. Whether it's the faded jeans perfectly paired with the chunky turtleneck sweaters, or the fact that new love couldn't be pinpointed to a 2am drunk message through Bumble, romantic comedies have just enough humor and romance to put you in the same mentality as a good cup of coffee. Warm and fuzzy on the inside, optimistic and motivated on the outside. But really, You've Got Mail is just the tip of the iceberg. Sure, I've had nights where I put it on back to back while I scroll Instagram on my phone for hours on end. But on so many other scary Sundays, my mood is hinged on the on-screen love affair that exists between two fictional characters who I know will end up together. And it's kind of bizarre, actually. After all, pretty much every romantic comedy begins and ends the same way. Two opposites meet in some happenstance way known as a meet-cute, only to drive themselves apart due to some internal conflict. Whether it's long distance, societal norms, or something more extreme, you always know that at some point the two are going to magically find their way back together while Frank Sinatra or Tony Bennett plays in the background while the credits roll. That's just kind of how it works, and that's kind of how it's always been. Hell, it's how it's always going to be. 
You can even date romantic comedies back to as early as 1912. It all started with a silent film called All for a Girl and rolled through the years where we are today. Things didn't really pick up until the 60s though. The Seven Year Itch, Some Like It Hot, Breakfast at Tiffany's, The Graduate. And then further into the 70s and 80s with Harold and Maude, Woody Allen's Annie Hall, Pretty in Pink, and The Princess Bride. Whether it's on a black and white reel or on a rewound too many times VHS that, you know, kind of doesn't work anymore, people have escaped their own harsh realities for decades through the means of rom-coms. But everything changed in 1989 with Nora Ephron's screenplay for When Harry Met Sally. More on that in a second. The heyday of romantic comedies kind of begins with When Harry Met Sally in 1989, peaking with Sleepless in Seattle in 1993, and ending with You've Got Mail in 1998. All from the aforementioned mind of Nora Ephron. A column by the AV Club titled, After When Harry Met Sally, Almost Every Rom-Com Tried to Have What Nora Ephron Was Having, the author stated, Those three films, When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, and You've Got Mail, are all icons in the romantic comedy genre, and it's truly remarkable that they all came from the heart and soul of one creative force. Efron deserves to be celebrated as a major player within the rom-com genre and elsewhere, and as a trailblazing female filmmaker who told unapologetically female stories along the way. You know, I'm not sure what happened after the 90s, but romantic comedies just kind of fell off. Perhaps it was just because each of these films was perfectly cast. Meg Ryan is the lovable yet flawed lead, Tom Hanks swooping in as either a crass book mogul or a hopeless widower, and Billy Crystal is a human embodiment of the friend zone. But either way, these films not only revolutionized romantic comedies as we know them today, but they changed the genre for the better. It's rare that any rom-com will be up for an Oscar. Whether it's their fuzzy nature or their pandering to cheap comedic relief, they've honestly just gotten a bad reputation. Somehow, some way though, these three films have withstood the test of time as well as influenced other movies of a similar nature in the same time period. All between those releases, you saw the golden age of romantic comedies unfold in front of your eyes. Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman in Notting Hill with Hugh Grant, While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman, Fools Rush In with Matthew Perry and Salma Hayek, or As Good As It Gets with Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson. Admittedly, I'm still viewing several of these romantic comedies for the first time even today. The other night, I just kind of fell into it. After a long Sunday drive, I didn't really have the mental capacity to come up with something I wanted to do for the night. On the surface, everything in my panic room was completely settled. Candles lit, AC dialed down, and the lights dimmed. But the biggest decision had yet to be made. What to watch. Normally, I just try to find something on Apple TV that I can play and pause as needed. You know, for those much needed Instagram breaks but not this week. As I scrolled our cable guide, nothing was really resonating with me. There were no worthy award shows or sports on, and I've already watched pretty much every episode of Shark Tank. But then I saw it. The American President starring Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. I'll admit, I turned it on about 20 minutes after it originally started, which caused me to miss the initial meet cute. But actually, I guess that's even more reason to rewatch it down the road. I'm not sure if it was Michael Douglas's perfectly convincing casting as a president or Annette Bening's turtlenecks and strong fall wardrobe, but I was immediately taken. It had everything. 
A lighthearted seriousness, comedic relief, and the perfect amount of romance and drama to offset the politics. There was enough of a subplot mixed in with the romance that you almost forgot that you were watching a romantic comedy altogether. When I looked at the characters, I saw in them the same stylistic choices that you see today. Michael Douglas looked like every power broker or politician you see on the news, and Annette Benning could have been transported into a modern-day Brooklyn with her hunter green wax jackets and short haircut. And perhaps that's why the 90s films felt, and still feel, so familiar. The nostalgia of my formative years, the beginning of the 20-year fashion cycle we're seeing reemerge today, and the timeless writing driven by Nora Ephron's original masterpieces. But unfortunately, as we've learned in recent times, not all romantic comedies can remain as timeless or lauded as hers. The last romantic comedy new release I watched was Set It Up, a Netflix original. From everything I'd heard, it was supposed to be the second coming of the classic rom-com. And it just wasn't. Don't get me wrong, I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it actually, but something was still off. I'm not sure if it was due to the predictability, Glenn Powell's weird haircut, or the pizza scene that just came off as kind of annoying, but it wasn't the classic romantic comedy that the internet wished it to be. And the same goes for pretty much every other romantic comedy since 2010. Life as we know it. Valentine's Day. Just go with it. The five-year engagement. This means war. That awkward moment. Two-night stand. Have I attached my Sunday's well-being to one of these on more nights than one? Of course. And they've definitely worked. But somewhere along the way, they just didn't have the same spark as the classics. In fact, I can only really pinpoint two romantic comedies that I would put in the same echelon of those from the 90s, About Time and The Big Sick. Who knows, maybe I'm a victim of my own nostalgia, an old curmudgeon whose preconceived notions of what a romantic comedy should be are clouding his vision while watching all these new releases. Or I don't know, maybe I'm just traditional. I don't think I'm at fault for thinking that Amy Schumer's relationship with John Cena and Trainwreck was not only awkward, but kind of forced and not all that believable. Hell, and maybe just that people don't uphold the romantic comedy as an esteemed form of cinema anymore. From HBO to Netflix, we're in the golden age of almost every TV and movie genre except when it comes to romantic comedies. Are they just being created too quickly? Have the standards been lowered? Do we just need Meg Ryan and Nora Ephron back? I think you can answer probably to most of those. But that doesn't mean that I'm not willing to try these romantic comedies as they get released. While no, Set It Up wasn't the trademark movie I thought it was going to be based on the early word of mouth surrounding it, that and The Big Sick did give me a little faith in what is going to transpire over the years to come. And while I don't think we're going to return to the mid-90s standards anytime soon, I'm not really willing to give up. We may not see the runs that Meg Ryan had in the 80s and 90s or that Matthew McConaughey had throughout the early 2000s, but I don't think the fight's over. And if you don't believe me, just listen to what Hugh Grant had to say in 2003's Love Actually before trying to convince me otherwise. Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion is starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed, but I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, 
boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a hungover friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. There's also a special announcement on today's episode. The Sunday Scaries podcast is now available on Spotify. Just search the Sunday Scaries podcast or Grand X Media and press that follow button. You can also follow along on Twitter, which is at Sunday Scaries, and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries. Or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Will DeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.